Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If you can just turn me down a tad bit. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I don't know about you, it feels like conference in here already. That was a good spirit. We're all excited um, to go, and I'm here from God, and it's going to be an incredible week. I, I, um, I can foresee that, and I know conference, and I get it. We always say that was the best conference ever. Uh, it was better than last one, but um, that's actually something good to look forward to each week, each conference, right? Um, that it's going to be better than the last one. So, um, incredible, the expectation. First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to be at. One day, a woman was trying to get her mule to move, but the mule was stubborn. This is obviously a very um, well-known characteristics of mules. She went inside the farmhouse and got a bat. She picked up a bat and bang, hit the mule upside the head. Then the mule fell over and seeing stars, he jumped back up and started moving. So the woman's daughter asked, Mom, why did you hit the mule over the head with the bat? Her mother said, because you got to do something to get his attention. You know, often we see in relationships a mule-headed and stubborn person who is unwilling to change. Can all the merry folks say hallelujah? <laughs> Pastor, I know what you're talking about. But God has given every person, and specifically in our text, women, a baseball bat. A spiritual one, amen? <laughs> but the problem is that many people are unwilling to use it. That baseball bat is called our conduct, our respectful and pure conduct. First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word, but by that baseball bat, that conduct of their wives. Verse 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I want to preach a sermon this morning that I've entitled, Walk What You Preach. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment that you've given us. God, I pray that by the Holy Ghost, God, you will minister to your people this morning. I do not come in my own talents, my own abilities, but I hide behind your cross. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every single one of us, God. Father, the power, Lord, of our conduct, our behavior, and our actions, God. God, beyond just marriage, beyond just church, God, but to see all that can be done, Father, through evangelism. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, amen. amen. I want to start off with my first point, and that is local evangelism. In our text, it speaks about the gospel. The gospel being presented in a local setting, so local and so personal, it is actually in the setting of a marriage, of a household. He says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one. So this is a thought in evangelism, is that we, we can win some people. Is that as we present the gospel and we're able to take the message of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving generation or an unbelieving group of people, that we are able to win them over. This isn't some type of patriotic thing. We're not trying to make them American. 
We're trying to make them citizens of heaven. This isn't trying to just change necessarily who they are, but getting them closer to the one that changed us, Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter in evangelism is that we don't only want the nations. We don't only want the foreign places. We want our unbelieving friends and family to get saved also. But I want to ask a question, and it's a rhetorical one. Isn't it harder to see those local get saved? Those local people that belong to your household. Those that even share your last name. Maybe even in your city. Many times it's harder to see them get saved. You know, Jesus had this issue himself in his ministry. Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 through 58. says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. You ever been there before? You ever try to share your testimony to a friend, maybe a family member? And, it's, and you, you already got a picture in your mind. I'm gonna, you got illustrations, you got parables. You're like, I'm going to present the gospel the best that I can. You might have even invited them to dinner or lunch. You spent money on them, right? And you're there and you're going to preach the gospel and they take offense. Verse 57, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his, in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. See, it's easy to present the gospel to someone who doesn't know you. But someone that knows you or knows who you are or even who you were, it can get a little intimidating. Especially those that know your history. See, I know we clean up pretty good for Sunday morning. But let's be honest, there's somebody in your life that knows your dirt. And this is where our actions have to speak. It has to speak louder than our words. See, the Great Commission, when you think about it, starts in the home and then it spreads outwards. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, home, in all Judea and Samaria, this is region around, and to the ends of the earth. The problem that we can fall into is that we want to claim the ends of the earth. We want to go out there and some people might even say, God, send me to China. God, send me to Japan. Send me to these nations. But in all reality, we still need to win our home. We still need to win Jerusalem. We still need to win Judea, Samaria. We need to win the city of Houston. We need to win our personal home. And many people get this wrong. They want to win the world. And in the context of our text, they've lost their spouse. Maybe trying to be successful in ministry, but your home is not in order. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? There's a Jewish proverb that says, do not be wise in words, but be wise in deeds. You know, this is what pioneering is about. You ask any of our guys that are out in the field or you ask any pioneer uh, that's pioneered before, they know pioneering is more than preaching. 
Not less than preaching, but it's more than preaching. Think about this. Our churches, they start by a couple going to a different city, a different area. They start preaching. They start outreaching for a Bible study or even for a Sunday service in a temporary location. So they make these flyers and they begin marketing. They buy purchase ads on Facebook or Instagram, and they might even start street preaching. They get a megaphone, a bullhorn, and they begin to make some noise, and this is all vital. Yet it's not all that is needed. It's just the first step. Once you get some people that come into your household, believe me, your actions need to match your words. In pioneering what I've seen that makes or breaks a, a, a people or a couple, is what other people see after they hear the preaching. See, churches are built on relationships. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Keep your conduct. Say with me, conduct. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is practical, beloved, that somewhere as we outreach, our conduct in a way of living needs to match. It needs to align. It is, and this can get as practical as it can in pioneering. I've had to tell couples, listen, if you're going to start a church from your living room, your living room needs to be clean. Amen? If you're going to preach a gospel, if you're going to preach a sermon on children and discipline, and your children better be well behaved. I'm going to preach to somebody this morning. It's got a match. Read it again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. This word honorable means in, that there's an integrity to it. That it matches so that when they speak against you, because they will. When they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Think about this, that when people say things about you, that when they bring up these false claims and then they come and they check out what's going on, they're like, no, their actions say something else. You guys following me this morning? See, for many of us, for many of us, the difficulty we have is that our actions don't match what we preach. And the question is, why does this happen? I'm sure nobody woke up this morning Rolled out of bed, looked in the mirror, and he goes, I'm going to be a hypocrite this morning. So why does it happen? We don't set out to be hypocritical. And you can go on, right? You can preach so many different sermons. But I believe one of the main things is that it happens because of discouragement. If we're not careful, we can get discouraged and react in carnal and legalistic ways. You've heard it before, Christianity is not so much of how you act, but how you react. That's how you know when God has been, been doing some things in your heart. When you used to, when somebody said something about you, you used to duke up. You used to put them up, right? You used to get ready to do some things, but now, now you've been saved a little bit, and it's a little bit different now. You know, you're not willing to do that. For some of us, it's, it's not even that. We're not fighters. We're, we're, we might be, uh, we hide, we isolate. For some of us, we, we tend to cut everybody off, but now you're saved and God is doing something in your heart, and now the reaction is different. 
But see, discouragement, what happens is you speak something, and then there is a time delay, isn't it? It doesn't always immediately. People don't always have to cash the checks that you write immediately. They remember what you say. So you said something, and a week later, you went through something in life, and now you're discouraged, so now you're acting carnal, and they always bring it back. I remember when he said this. See, if we're not careful, our actions begin to not line up with what we said about the Word of God. I had a coworker. I had a coworker that didn't speak any Spanish. But all his, all the contractors that we worked with spoke Spanish. So when I wasn't around to help him translate, he will attempt to speak to them. And in conversation, they will end up getting stuck. You ever, you ever, you ever from the outside looking in saw two people try to, they're trying to converse and you're just like, they're not understanding each other. It's like, it's not, it's not, I can tell they're, they're not communicating well. This is what happened all the time. And when this happened, his solution was just to speak louder and slower. Still in English, <laughs> but it was louder and slower. For example, somebody's like, why didn't you close the door to the backyard? He's like, why didn't you close? And I used to have to tell him, listen, louder and slower doesn't make them understand English better. <laughs> See, we can get like that in preaching the gospel. We can get louder to the point of frustration. We can begin to act self-righteously, begin to blame issues on the world and begin to be enemies and all these different things. And, and while the problem is that your actions don't, don't line up with your, with your words, you tend to like, you tend to raise up your volume. And you tend to act all kinds of crazy, but in all reality, what they need is your actions, your conduct, your testimony to line up with what you're preaching. I want to move on to my second thought, and that is our actions speak louder than words. Benjamin Franklin used to say, well done is better than well said. In our text, the relationship is that of a husband and a wife. But this dynamic is present in any close relationship. My point this morning is not to preach on marriage. No doubt this text speaks about marriage, but I believe there's other relationships that are intimate also. How many of us have close relationships that don't believe in God? We have family, friends, coworkers. You spend a lot of time with coworkers. I mean, think about the hours you spend with people in the same building and they're watching your conduct. Either they've never been saved or once saved but now backslidden or not engaged in living for God. They're, they're watching how you live life. Can I tell you here this morning, there's not a sermon in the world that you can preach that will have the impact that your actions will have. People are watching you. People are watching us follow Jesus. They're watching us as we release those words, as we preach and as we give them our testimony and as we begin to open the doors with words, because that's what words do. They're icebreakers. They, 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 they begin to open this door so that they can see how you live. Listen, where you go matters. 
what you speak, what you listen to, how you react with them. And the question is, are you living a life that will bring someone closer to God? Is your life a testimony or an example of the power of God? In our text, it does speak about marriage. In our text, there's a husband that in his house, he's not saved. The Bible says, we read it in 1 Peter, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own household, so that even if some do not obey the word, there may be one without a word by the conduct of our wives. What an incredible text. He says, he's speaking about a wife who you can get from context clues, wants to win her husband. Amen? That's a great desire. She wants her husband to obey the word of God. She wants him to be a man of God. And I wonder today if these instructions that Paul gives to women came out of experience. You can just, you can, you can very educated, uh, make a guess, right? An educated guess that there are some testimonies of wives maybe just getting louder and slower. Maybe, maybe there's some type of comparison. Why can't you be like the man that I know in church? So Paul tells them, listen, you, there's, a, there's a dynamic that you can win them over without a word. And that is seeing how him, seeing how you act. Seeing how you act, how you react. Seeing how your conduct has changed. What an incredible testimony. You know, when, they, when people begin to see your life change, they can't fight with you. They can't. They, when, when they start seeing your, your vocabulary changes, the music you listen to begins to change, the stuff that you watch, the, how you speak, what you laugh at. How she no longer does the things she used to. How now she treats them with respect. First Peter 3, 2, while they behold your chest conversations coupled with fear. I want you to think about that. While they behold your chaste conversations coupled with fear, verse 2 says that when they see your respectful and pure conduct. This word fear in the King James Version is why the ESV says it in respectful because it's this fear that brings respect. In other words, he says, listen, like whenever they see, he's talking specifically in marriage. He says, wives, whenever your husband sees, then now you respect them more than what you were before you started going to church. He says, that's going to change them. Amen? That there's not a sermon good enough to be given. And so we live, we got technology now, right? We can say things without saying things. You ever, you ever, has somebody ever sent you a video and you're like, you're trying to tell me something? <laughs> that happens a lot in marriage. You get in a fight, you're like, man, it's like, maybe it was because of the toilet seat, you know, it's like it didn't go down. And now you're in a fight and you leave the house and you're all mad. So later on at 12 o'clock, you send them a sermon on organization. <laughs> You send, you send them a video or a TikTok, a six-second thing that's, that talks about 
how you need to be organized in the things of God. And it's like you're saying things without saying things. Paul is saying you don't have to do that. Yeah, right? He's a Paul said, you don't have to use sarcasm anymore. It's like you don't, you don't have to get louder. You don't have to get slower. You don't have to get an attitude with people. He says your pure and respectful conduct can win them without a word. You know, the people, the people closest to us, they get insight others don't. And this is what makes it so hard many times. I've thought about this, these, this dynamic. I've, I've preached, I've, I've, I've desired for my, for my father, for my, my brother to, to come to Christ. And I begin to think there's times where my attitude just doesn't help. Where my words, the way I, the way I treat them just doesn't help. You know, they take notice of how you talk to them. They take notice about how you treat them. And it, this is where it comes true. Familiarity does breed contempt many times. Because you're so familiar with them, it feels like you can, you, can, you can talk to them however you want. But in all reality, remember, they're a soul. They're going to have to stand in front of God one day. Again, in our text... The word respect that the King James uses as fear means reverence. It means appreciation. It means a great respect. This is how you win people over, especially those close to you. I've had to tell people out on the field, I've told them, listen, it's great when you're pioneering. It's great that you outreach every day and you spend hours out on the streets. But the problem is not your outreach. And the problem is, when they get close enough to you, they can see your character. When they get close enough to you, they can see how disorganized and how, how you carry yourself and how, how disrespectful you're in the, the, the marriage is and, and all these different things. This is how you win people over. Is that as you bring them closer with your words, your actions match. See, Peter wants the Christian women to win their husband by a life of reverence and purity, expressed in a submissive attitude and honors him as the head of the home. And that's hard to do at times. One woman, one wife, one woman, somebody. <laughs> you know, they say that men, men die younger because we're dumb. <laughs> We we tend, we tend to do more dumb things. We do you, know, you ever you ever wondered all the all the YouTube videos that go viral is always guys jumping off roofs and you know doing all these crazy stunts and all and all these different things. It's 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 hard at times to follow a man who can who can risk a man who has to hear from God a man who God calls him the head of the household, but it's hard. It's it's having a hard time leading himself. But see, our text says you can win them without a word as you give them their place. I'll just say this. You're not going to win someone over by badgering them. Your nagging isn't going to save them. You're going to win them over with honor and respect. That is played out in your actions. What a powerful dynamic. Think about this. That an individual 
can be changed by our conduct. I don't know about you, but that's incredible to me. That someone's eternity can be determined not by what we speak, but by what we do. Peter says, without a word. Your conduct, did you get that in our text? Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even some do not obey, if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful in pure conduct. What a powerful dynamic. It may seem strange that Peter's advice to wives is a lot longer than what is offered to husbands. But this is because the wife's position was far more difficult than that of the husband. William Barclay says this. He says if a husband became a Christian, he would automatically bring his wife with him to, into church. And there would be no problem. But if a wife became a Christian, while her husband did not, she was taking a step which was unprecedented and which produced the most acute problems. And we see that obviously in Bible times, but we even see that in, in the family here today in 2023. We see that when a man, the head of the household, begin to, he gets saved, he gets converted, a mom comes and kids come because it's just the dynamic of leadership. It's just the, the aura of a man that God has given them. But when a woman, it just becomes difficult. I'm not saying that women are any less. I'm just saying that's the dynamic presence. You know, the advice that Peter gives wives is the same, the one, the same one that Paul gives to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says, If any woman has a husband who's an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. And the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. An incredible dynamic. And the dynamic is this, is that the ones closest to you are impacted more by your actions than your words. That while you might be able to stand behind a pulpit, preach a sermon, and people will answer the altar call. You're not going to be able to do that at home. You're not going to be able to buy a pulpit and set it up in your living room and say, husband, <laughs> children. You know, this dynamic is it's kind of present in the husband also. The point that I'm making is the closer the relationship the more your actions matter. Again, I'm pioneering. They get a flyer, they hear, they hear the words you're preaching, and then they, make, they take that step of faith. They come into your, your, your living room, or they come into a small church, and, and they hear your words. They took it. They took it by faith. But now they start coming out. Now they're watching you. Now they're watching that what you do, how you speak to your wife, how you speak to your husband, how your children, how you react with them, what they do. You know, the greater revelation is that our conduct paves the way for a deeper connection with God's word. Your conduct paves a way for a deeper connection with God's word. Peter's advice was that she can break down the barriers of prejudice and hostility and win him over. Isn't that world evangelism? 
that you will step into foreign areas. If it's a, a different neighborhood in Houston or if it's a different nation in the world, you step into it and there's all kinds of different barriers, maybe religious barriers or sin barriers and all kinds of different things. But as you preach the gospel and your words begin to match, it paves the way. I want to close with my third point. And that is a miracle for someone else. We all want miracles. We all want the supernatural involvement of God in our lives. But if you've been saved long enough, part of life is seeking a miracle for someone else. We find in our Bible an incredible story of a paralytic man receiving a miracle because of the actions of other people. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. It says, on one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Verse 19, but finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. Verse 20. And when he saw their faith, say with me, there. When he saw their faith, faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. We all need friends like that. <laughs> These guys were willing to rip a roof apart for this guy to get close to Jesus. Think about this. This man's life changed forever because of the actions of his friends. Because their actions matched their words. Because I wonder how many times they, they had interactions where their friends said, yeah, I'm praying for you, bro. Maybe he opened up and, and spoke about the struggles of not being able to walk and, and how somewhere he wished he could do what they did, and somewhere their response was, I know, bro, but I'm, I'm praying for you. I believe in God. There's not a medicine I can buy you. There's nothing I can do. And they had these, this, these conversations, these moments, but when the moment presented themselves, their actions matched their words. They ripped the roof apart. And brought him down. When Jesus sees this, Jesus says it's their faith. Their faith got the response of your sins are forgiven. They didn't just regurgitate what Jesus was preaching. They didn't just send them the podcast. They weren't just like, hey, that sermon was good, bro. I got you. I'll send it to you later. You know, you can change someone's life with the way you choose to treat them. With the way you choose to behave around them. The result of applying this text will be that of obedience regardless of emotions. So once you make up your mind, I'm going to make, this is what, this is what happens many times, is you make up your mind and then you, and then you encounter something that's hard and you just don't, don't do it because you don't feel like it. You know, the reality of this truth or of our text is that the wife has to somewhere be respectful and pure in conduct with her husband that's not saved. You remember who you were before you were, you were saved? Amen? 
You remember what God pulled you out of? The attitudes, the, the, the stubbornness, the pride, the vocabulary you had, the apathy, the, the, the you didn't care about people, you, the, just the way you were, the selfishness. And then, then, then maybe this, this wife, maybe he's like, you just don't understand. You don't understand what he does. You don't understand what he says. You don't understand the way they are. And, and, and Peter tells them, well, love them. Some of you guys would have walked out my office if I told you that. Love them. Your emotions will not line up at first. But through your obedience, things will change. You know, today's altar, our altar call today, it's not so much about the change in those who are unbelievers. We know they got to get saved. How many of you guys know that this woman, oh, this man, was with, he wasn't without fault? I'm sure the husband had some fault. He wasn't saved. But the point of this sermon and this altar call here today is not to come here and say, God, save them. You've prayed that before. But come and ask God, God, what do I need to change? So that I can pave the path for the gospel. So that, I can, so that we can increase the weight of the words. The leverage. God change me to be a light in their path. Can you say that with me? Say, God change me. You can say it to me a little bit louder. <laughs> say it one more time. God change me. Can you do that at the altar today? Commit to change your conduct for their sake. There's a quote that I don't tend to use all the time, but I feel it, it fits well in this sermon. And that's preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. See, don't merely announce the gospel of Jesus, but live the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can see this throughout the Bible. Paul says that you won't disqualify yourself from preaching the gospel, that everything would match and maybe here there is somebody that specifically falls in this text. You have a spouse in your home that's un it's an unbeliever and you're praying for them. You're trying to win them over. This is your text. Be the best spouse that you can be. Be the best husband. Be the best wife. And if this is regarding somebody that's closer, closer or somebody that's close to you, like a friend or a family member, maybe a sibling or something like that, the message is let your conduct match what you're preaching. Don't preach the gospel on Sunday and then on Monday you're sending them to hell. Amen? If you really truly want, want to win them over, you have to ask God about me, yourself. We, they, they, they listen, the, the Bible calls us to judge those of the household of believers, not judge them. They're in sin. They need, they, they, they need God. But us, God, how can I make this more effective? I don't want to see them spend eternity in hell. Walk what you preach. The words you release, let your actions line up with them. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed.
your head bowed, every eye closed, in respect to God, in respect to your neighbor. You're here this morning, you're not saved. I know this sermon had a lot to do with other people, but maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved, you're not right with God. You're going to die one day and stand in front of a living God and somewhere you know very well your life, your heart is far from him. You know, every single one of us are appointed to death and then judgment. And what we need is a relationship with Jesus. It's not even about what church you go to. It's not about how much you know of the Bible. But simply, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You're here this morning. That's not you. You still haven't surrendered to Christ. But you want to this morning. You're saying, I'm tired of the way that I'm living. That's you. Would you raise your hand in this place? Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God. But today you're far from him. For, for whatever reason it's been or it was. Somewhere today you find yourself away from the things of God, away from the heart of God. I want to stand here as a messenger, letting you know that God loves you so much. And he's presenting to you this opportunity to come and get right with him. To reconcile your relationship with Christ. Just like that one day, that one glorious day you lifted your hand. And you were saved Delivered from all of these different things. And today you've returned to them. God says, I want to call you back out of it. Quickly, that's you. You're backslidden. You want to get right with God again. Would you raise your hand? Anybody? God's speaking to you. Not backslidden, but you want to get right. Quickly, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. Very well. I want to move on. Um, I want to change the order of the service with our head bowed, our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to speak to the church. Church, listen, this is something we must understand and make sure that we get things right. This is not only true in, in our household and in marriages. It's also true as we go out. I threw out different examples and pioneering is so true. Let our actions match that of which we speak. And I think all of us have a place where we're like, God, help me. I don't doubt it. There might be some conversations that need to be had after this sermon. At service, you might even have to apologize. Sorry for the way I've been acting. Listen, I don't, I, I, I'm not saying this is like a switch. That somewhere the day now that that somewhere that they you, you you slip and you fall and you and you say these things and now now everything's gonna fall apart and that's not what I'm saying. It's an overall revelation and understanding that if we're gonna be effective in evangelism, we're gonna be effective in reaching and winning souls in a local level, in an international level. What we do needs to match what we preach. Let's take a moment this morning. Let's all stand up to our feet. Let's all stand up to our feet. These altars are open. Um, and I want to encourage you that you will come and speak to Jesus, speak to God.
For many of us, it's repentance. Let's not, let's not get holier than thou. This is why we come to church, to let God deal with us. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to sing out this song. Thank you, Jesus. I need you Give them praise this morning, church. 
Shila Rababa Shandalarababa 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 I will open the doors for revival in this place. But you must fill the gap. You must tell loved ones about me. You must go out while there is time. I will give you the words to speak. I will give you set, I will set appointments for you. But you must fill the gap, says the Lord. You must be there when I tell you to move. You must be obedient to my word. You must move. You must go. Do not delay. There is no time to wait, says the Lord. The door will be closed and you will keep knocking and not be able to enter. But tell those while there is still time, says the Lord. Amen. Let's give God praise one more time, church. Father, we thank you, Jesus. God, we praise your name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. This is a dynamic in evangelism that we need to work on. Amen. This is um, one of those things where the higher you go, the more the more you have to do. The longer it gets, it gets difficult. There's more time uh, for you to mess up and give people excuses. Listen, at the end of the day, people are going to talk. People are going to say things, but the, you got to do your best to line up your conduct with the gospel being preached. There's people here. Listen, you you want family members to get saved. You want friends, um, close ones to get saved. Um, that is a big, big thing. As, you, as your words open the door, your conduct will pave a way for them to get a relationship with God. Amen? I want you to raise your hands. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you will touch, God, this church, this group of people, God. Father, as they believe, God, for their family, their friends, their co-workers, God, even their spouses, God. God, to get closer to you, to get saved. Father, I pray right now, God, that you will anoint, God, their conduct, their words, Father. God, that they, as they watch them, they'll be able to see, God, the change that God is, that you're doing in them, Father. I pray that you will honor their requests, the desires of their hearts, Father. I seal it by the Holy Ghost. Satan, you have no right upon those people. You have no right. Get your hands off of them, and I pray right now that you will speak to them directly, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise. Father, we thank you, Lord. Yes, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's be, let's be dismissed this morning. Let's go in the victory of our Lord.